the Pro Tools Expert podcast with Ross Hughes, Dan Cooper, and Julian Rogers. Well, good evening and welcome to Pro Tools Expert podcast number 341. It's the 15th of October 2018. I'm Russ Hughes. I'm Dan Cooper. And I'm Julian Rogers. Uh, you wouldn't believe what I said. I'm so tired just before we came on the air. I said to the guys, that's podcast 341. So that how, how many is that we've done? That's how tired I am. <laughs> so do the maths on that. Anyway, all the math if you live in America. Anyway, Dan. Yes, yes. Michael Carnes from Exponential Audio has very kindly shared another tip that works in the second generation Exponential Audio plugins, Nimbus, R4, Stratus and Symphony, which have a set of controls at the bottom uh, of uh, the tail page. These controls operate the tail suppression circuit. This is useful in many different ways and we will have the tip in full in the podcast notes showing how tail separation can work on drums, which by their very nature has strong transients. This gives a sense of presence, uh, but they can also cause a lot of splash in the reverb. Tail suppression can tame the problem with absolutely no hints of pumping. Very nice. We also have a podcast exclusive deal from Exponential Audio, but you'll have to wait later in the show to hear about it. Julian, deals. This month's feature deals from Leapwing Audio until the 31st of October get 20% off their Centre One Spatial Plugin and Dyne One Parallel Multiband Dynamics Processor, making them just over £143, including VAT each. Also, don't miss my tutorial on how to get the best results from your Dyne One plugin. And don't forget to check out the deals from our partners on the deals page. Highlights include Isotope offering introductory prices on RX7, Insight 2 and their new post-production suite 3, and Avid and Audient are both offering special discounts for students. Good, 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 good. Hey, let's get on to our talking points. This is sponsored by our friends at Universal Audio. Over to you, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab Dupont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Did you know that Universal Audio are offering you the chance to build your own custom plugin bundles of three, six or ten plugins from one low price? Uh, save over 60% in fact. Just pick your own bundle option and then choose your plugins. It's that simple. You can find out more at the link in the podcast notes. Let's get on to our talking points. Now, Dan, you listed uh, inexpensive two-way monitors. Uh, less, yeah. Less well, than $500. What, what's, what was the thinking behind this? Yeah. Apart from annoying some people. <laughs> yeah. Who yes. put, what the, where did you forget these speakers? Stuff oh, like that. What happens in these lists? You know, I purposely miss things out. You just did a list of five up. speakers and you missed them out. Yeah, How did, did you manage that? How did I? Well, you know, I should have done a list of seven or eight. But hey ho, the uh, yeah, two way active monitors, near fields. Um, but really, these were uh, monitors that were well, that cost less than five hundred dollars. Um, because I own a few of these actually, and I thought, you know what, let's do some research. So the IK Multimedia iLoud Micro monitors, uh, and they're in white now, which look really nice. They're pucker little monitors, really good for about. Yeah, what, $300? Yeah, punchy little things. And recently we got ourselves a set of Adam Audio T-Series, the small five uh, T5 models, and they're wicked. I spent the day mixing on them last weekend in my wife's studio. You know, when you forget about your monitors and they just, you know, you're getting into mixing or tracking, you're just making music, even the uh, creative flow, these monitors just 
just blended into the wall and they sounded so good. And at the end of the session, I thought, okay, they sounded good, but did did my mix actually work? Will this mix sound good now down in my big studio with my bigger atoms and subwoofer? And it did. I was really impressed. You know, uh, small monitors, don't discount them or discard them or anything. They are pucker. Um, and there's a lot of choice out there now for under $500, which is great. Really good. Julian, you have been... Um, in many a listening test recently, haven't you, with uh, uh, a wide variety of monitors in your studio? Yeah, no, sorry, I just don't. I don't talk about two-way monitors anymore. I'm up in the rarefied, the uh, rarefied three-way arena now. <laughs> Can I talk about six-way monitors? <laughs> Six drivers, three ways. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I mean. I, yeah, I'm surprised the keys weren't in these. This this <laughs> under yeah. t- under five hundred dollars. Yeah, which driver costs under five hundred dollars? Yeah. <laughs> you can get the box. <laughs> I think just the postage and insurance costs that, doesn't it? Probably does actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I mean, the, the important bit in this isn't the isn't the uh, isn't the two way bit. Anyway, it's I mean, it's not even in the title. It, they're all two way because they're under five hundred dollars. You can't yes, do it correct. for less. Uh, but there's some amazing value stuff going on down here. Uh, I mean, uh, I. I'm trying to think. I've, I've heard. I've heard those KRKs. I've never heard the uh, the Erises, the RI. I don't know what the plural of that would be. And I've heard. And I've heard some of the small Adams, but I haven't spent very much time with them. But I have heard those little those little Yamahas. I have to say, I, I had a pair of those. wasn't impressed. I wasn't big on them either. No. Actually, I no. It's it's like they I look like they've lost. But that's kind of it. But the the stuff yeah. that um the stuff that people there's a few things that have caught my attention recently. I mean, I I had a I had a look at the uh what is it under five hundred? You could get yeah. some you can get some head type fives for that, which I which I did um did a test on recently. And are really good for the money. They are really, really good. I mean, I have to say. Um very much sort of similar ballpark to the to the Adams. But there's so much variety in there. There was, I mean, I, I I wouldn't necessarily go with the, with the way the point's been made about these these JBLs that are missing from the list. Hilariously, they're missing from the list because none of us have heard them. Am I right? These uh, these LSR three hundred fives, these smallest of. There's the a LSRs. lot of comments about that, isn't there? Well, yeah. I mean, I've I've heard really heard good them. things about them. What I have, have heard is haven't. I've heard I've heard the big ones. I've heard the. Uh, I think they're M threes or possibly, but big, big, big main studio monitors, but from the same family. And I was really impressed with those. And the thing about them is they've got a really prominent, what looks like a CD horn around the HF driver, which makes them look very PA system. And to me, it goes, okay, it's not going to be that sweet. But they sound great, actually. And I'd, I'd like to hear some of those, definitely. Um, this The thing that's also, because that something that I've been talking about a lot recently, uh, particularly with, um, I've been spending some time with those uh, with those three-way Neumanns that I did a write-up about recently, is my whole thing, and I I talk about it quite a lot, about I really like um, infinite baffle speakers because of their inherently good timing, their good time response. Or more, it's like I don't like over-ported speakers and small, inexpensive bookshelf-sized or sort of slightly larger um, two-way monitors, which are trying to sound impressive because people um, who are in that kind of entry-level market are are interested in bass response. They're going to be as port- they're going to be ported to within an inch of their lives. Hopefully, they won't be overported because that's bad design. But they'll certainly be pushing it. And um, because of that, the time response is going to kind of disappear a little bit. But there's nothing in there that isn't ported. 
And this made me think that possibly, I mean, if I if I had under five hundred dollars to spend, I think I might be looking. I think I might be looking at. I certainly I'd be looking at second hand, but that's kind of not strictly fair. And I wouldn't be discounting hi-fi speakers. I really wouldn't at that kind of end of things and passives, which I know pushes the thing. But you know, I mean, an amplifier is is acquirable. I don't know. What do we think? Passives and kind of what's the difference between a hi-fi speaker and a very very inexpensive monitor anyway? The badge, probably. <laughs> well, quite a no, few, quite think, a few brands it, are in both. I think anyway. it, it, without putting the cat among the pigeons, I think that that studio speakers are meant to be flatter because hi-fi speakers tend to be flattering. Uh, historically, they were kind of like the smiley curve, yeah, uh, type on it. it uh, ironically, though. Sound. The the one that would have been here thirty years ago is NS10s that were hi-fi speakers, yeah. mm. uh, and ended up in studios for the very reason because if you could make something sound good on a pair of NS10s, you could make it sound good on anything. Well, I have a theory about NS10s anyway, which goes back to my original point about they're they're it's like an SM57 conversation. Well, well, nobody talks. Well, not many people talk about the fact that um, uh, that NS10s were infinite baffle. So they've got inherently good timing, you know. So their frequency response might be a bit to pop, but that but their timing's great. But that's not much such a thing because it was it was very very common for hi-fi speakers to be infinite baffle in those days. Yeah, but more than that as well is that uh, Andy Munro is of the opinion that the reason they sounded so good as well is that because they were mounted on their sides on top of SSL consoles, because of the shape of the SSL console, it created a, a scoop in the audio. Which gave them that great sound. Mm, I've heard so that. So it too. wasn't about the, just about the speaker; it was the way that they were mounted on top of SSL boards uh, that made them. Yeah, uh, but they're all powered. They're in those days. They were powered with uh, what were those brown amps we used to use on all our quads. Monitor- quad amps. These quad four hundred fives used to power them all the time, didn't it? Uh, and then in the in the sort of nineties and two thousands, everybody suddenly got into those terrible tannoys and Samson amps. Oh, God, uh, those Samson amps were awful. Yeah. They were gruesome, weren't they? Oh. But we all had one at some point. Yeah. Uh, those or the, what were the other ones? Uh, the Spirits, Absolute yeah. Twos and yeah. things like that. When, when, you know what's it? it speakers got very brightly coloured in those in, in those kind of like in the 90s. I remember that. And this is sort of pre-yellow um, speakers and stuff, you know. All right, Jules. So before, um, you know, you were just saying passive monitors uh, under $500. Um, the Aventone CLA110 passive studio monitors, the recreation of the NS10, says 649 quid. But again, you'd need an amp. Uh, and I'm not being funny, but for are about, I reckon between four to $500, you could get a used set of NS10s that might look a bit battered. Um, but you'd still need an amp. Well, I mean, if we're on if we're on if that, then the, the price of the uh, of the old uh, BBC Rogers speakers, um, a second hand set of those, and the amount that people want for those for reasons that I don't fully understand. I mean, there's some crazy pricing just because they are, you know, historic speakers. But um, yeah, I can't say I'm there myself. Something that is really worth doing. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've sort of talked about this before. Is um, uh, if you have an amplifier that you're not using and you've got a monitor controller so you can so you, you're not stuck with them all the time you can use them as a quick ab reference uh, getting an old pair of uh, little bookshelf speakers and uh, just open them up and snip 
the uh, snip the wires from the crossover, so just completely lose the uh, the tweeter completely. And on a small driver like that, that's got some element of cone cone flexure, you can you can make a great little grot box. That are a really good reference for something that does no no phase issues, no timing issues, nothing. It's it's point source and it's very restricted, um, uh, very restricted frequency response. Great for checking vocal levels in mixes and stuff, and basically doing what the little uh, what the little horror tones used to do, but without having to mess about like getting something that's you know you can spend quite a lot of money on some uh, uh, reproductions of those, which I personally would never do. But something that does that job, that just does a, a nasty little point source single driver thing, is really worthwhile. And you can just, you know, go to a boot sale and pick up a little pair of speakers off an old, you know, <laughs> 90s MIDI system and just open up and snip them. It's a great job. What's also missing off this is what I had before my keys, which was the eaves. And they were good. They were obviously the the people that broke away from Adam, hence the name Adam and Eve. <laughs> people think that's a joke, but it's a fact. Uh, and they were good, although I ended up putting socks in the back of my ports because they sounded better with the ports turned again turning them into an infinite baffle. Uh, I'm not big on ported speakers, and I know Julian isn't either, are you? When I it's done they, properly, there's nothing wrong with it, but so often it's not done. Well, that's as the point. Well it's it's not be. done properly normally, is it? That's the problem. Mm. Uh, and it's done, as, and, and, and as Bruno Putzis will say, who does keys, every speaker sounds great in an anechoic chamber, but the minute you stick it in a room, that's when they all fall apart, most of them. And so the trouble is that most ported speakers are going to sound good in an anechoic chamber, aren't they? But it's when you put them in a room with reflected surfaces and all that kind of stuff that that's, and start blasting it out in rooms that weren't designed for it, then you've got just horrible boombox sound it's just mm. gruesome yeah. i find you yeah with rear ported small monitors you can't really drive them like well you can of course you can but the sound uh compromised to what you're hearing isn't worth it so i like them for that because they kind of force me to mix quieter because it's so easy for the volume knob to creep up over a mix session but you know with i find small monitors with a wall very close behind the rear port you start turning things up and you hear that oh that doesn't sound right turn it back down again i need it sounded a little bit more neutral uh yeah they should supply you know like you get a uh, you know if you get a uh, a tumble dryer with one of those big tubes on it some of these speakers they should supply should supply one of those oh, what, like air conditioning just hang yeah, the, like the air out conditioning the tubes and hang them out the window of your studio <laughs> so you get a much you probably get a much better sound than leaving the port open you just won't your neighbours will just complain though <laughs> although the tuning that would occur down the tube would just be gruesome wouldn't it you'd have this lovely kind of It'd be like a didgeridoo yeah it would be like <laughs> It'd be like 300, 300 hertz, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should try it. Or somebody should make like a it. mechanical port that's got a little motor on it that you can open and close to tune it. But no, I basically, I just stuck a pair of socks in my speakers and they sounded better. <laughs> so, uh, but these, uh, what I will say is that these... Uh, these little eye, eye doobries have, have done well, haven't they? You've got a pair, haven't you? They're brilliant. They're, they're honestly um, a great little personal uh, monitor uh, solution, I, I refer to them at. So they're a very narrow, sweet spot. They can face up towards you. They've got um, uh, threads in the bottom of them, so you can put them on microphone stands, so just the the, uh, the main bit of a stand, uh, so you can uh, have them as cheap monitor stands, which is great. 
and they've got Bluetooth, which I think is really nice. So when we had them set up, if I was, you know, my wife was mixing, I'd go, all you want to do is listen to this mix. Just pair my iPhone to it. There you go. Listen to that without having to muck about with Spotify or anything. Just, just do that. I think that's a really cool feature. I wish it was in more monitors. Uh, yeah, for 300 quid. And we've abused them. She's taken them to work when she's gone to do her, her vocal lessons and that at the schools. She's dropped them. They've been mis- misused by kids, you name it. And they're still working for $300. I thought they're not going to last long. Really not. But they have. So they are a, a cool little solution. What kind of size are they? Because I can never they're tell from the pictures. Three inch, three inch drivers. Imagine a set of um, speakers that you would get with a, a computer system in the 90s. Those oh, they look cra- like that, do they? They, they do look, look like just, computers. Yeah. They look like those crappy ones from the 90s. And yes, uh, they're that big and they do not sound that big. I, so, I was going to say that they've all struck me as uh, as computer speakers computer. with ideas about yeah. their station. Yep. And yep. it's it's funny because the really small little Genelecs are probably out of this price bracket, to be honest. Um, I, I don't really know. Um, I did look. No, the eighty twenties you could probably probably do for that. Eighty tens you certainly could actually, but they again they're they're so small. I've never I've never I've never tried the eighty tens. They're the really really tiny ones. But I have used some eighty twenties. We're actually quite respectable little speakers, but they're definitely computer speakers. They you couldn't really use them for anything else other than I mean I've seen them used as as rear surrounds in in little five one rooms and stuff. But um, but yeah, again, they're kind of similar kind of thing, and, and actually, they're ticking all the boxes of rear porting and probably a little overported and stuff, but not too bad. Genelec, people are harsh on Genelec, and I must admit, I've fallen out of out of love with Genelec a little bit because my priorities have changed. Because I've bought so many pairs of Genelecs on behalf of my employers in the past, because they've absolutely nailed it for that kind of institutional use. Because they're tough as old boots, and they're kind of prod proof if you know what i mean i, I see a i see a, a soft dome tweeter on uh, exposed on a on a driver and i just i just imagine someone sticking a biro through it because of my <laughs> career history but you can't do that with the genelec but yeah no i'd forgotten about those the little ones are quite respectable as something as a high-end computer speaker rather than as a proper near-field monitor those tiny little ones are not too bad Hmm, so lots of choice out there. It's, uh, there's, there's a, you know, all the major players, uh, monitor brands are competing quite um, fiercely in this uh, corner of the market. So that's a good thing for us guys, the consumers. Uh, means you've got a lot of choice. I find the higher up you go through the price range, so let's say four grand plus for a set of monitors, you start to, I find that you start to really struggle to choose because the stakes are higher, you know, Um the technology is more serious. Everything's much more serious. It's harder to choose a set of monitors. Uh, you must have felt like this when you bought your keys, Russ, um, because they were right at the top of a price bracket that lots of us... Most money go, I've ever spent in yeah, my studio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On absolutely. one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm considering a four grand set of monitors at the minute. Obviously, they're Adams. Uh, they're due to come in very soon for me to test them. I just need to do it at a time round about payday. <laughs> because <laughs> I think I'm going to fall in love with them. Uh, Julian, you're roughly in the same boat as me. You've got your eye on a, a oh, nice I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, it's I'd, I'd, no, I'd love to... No, you just proved my point. We're holding off a little bit because of the seriousness of the money. But the Adam T series, for instance, I didn't hesitate. I bought two sets, mm. straight up. Two sets, set for my wife. I thought, she needs to get off the eye louds now. Let's get something a little bit more serious for her. And a set for my dad's. 
it's his birthday coming up soon. And he said, I read your review. Are they any good? I went, they are good. He went, oh, maybe I'll get a set. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> easy, I mean, easy birthday present. I'm hardly saying anything that n- nobody said before, but it's that whole thing about, you know, buy once and keep. And I mean, I'd, yes. uh, I'd, I'd, I've been, I've had a few loaner sets of monitors through, which has really kind of forced the issue at me of like, what are you doing? Because I've, my personal monitors are st- a set that I've had since, I don't know, probably about 2000. You know what I mean? I've, I've had them a long time now. And the reason I've had them for such a long time is just because I'm not just going to move sideways and just get a different set of kind of compact two-ways or even slightly larger two-ways. I'm going to get something that's a lot better. But I'm really feeling it Level just because I've always had access to a, a, a to a, a better mix room than the one that I have uh, at my own disposal through, you know, wherever I happen to be working. But that's that's not really something that's available to me anymore. And some of those rooms were really nice. So, you know, it's um I'm I'm having to think about it. Something in the short term I'm thinking about that isn't a sideways move, but it's all about kind of perspective in the same way as that uh that grot box thing, which I really like. That's if you've never tried it, do try it because it is really good. It was a thing that I I had, it was Andrew Sheps who who um, said about it, and it was a thing that he did uh, at um, in his LA studio, and uh, he just had a, a single monitor, just wide in mono, and he had it off um, pointing away from him. It's the thing that people in theatre sound do all the time. They'll they'll fire sound off into the room so that you get the reflected sound back, and it gives you a completely different perspective. And if you want stuff to sound diffuse, they'll fire it at the walls so that you get sound effects and stuff back. Well, if you try that with a mix. You know the trick of of listening to your mix from an, from a, from stood outside yeah. the door. Yeah. Well, you can do that, but you haven't got to move. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I quite fancy is I've got a little um, little BMW Zeppelin in the kitchen that I just use for listening to Radio Four and stuff. But I've been listening to more and more music on it, and it is annoyingly kind of it's not quite there. So I'm thinking of getting a better wireless speaker, and I was thinking actually what I might do is I might bring that up here if I do that and have it in the next room. And then I can just fire off to it over Wi-Fi and just listen to kind of like a small speaker version from a different room just to get an idea of those things that are hard to judge, you know, um, how the snare sitting against a vocal, that kind of thing, that all the detail of listening on your monitors, you know, you you can lose track of quite easily in a different perspective. It tells you what you need to know straight away. So that's something I'm playing with the idea of, the role of the you know, uh, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth speaker in the studio is just a, a remote speaker to listen to away from... Well, you can use Sonos to monotest if you remember my article. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Actually, Most people I don't know that the key, you can use the keys in wireless mode. Most people don't know that. Uh, you can't hear anything. <laughs> I had... Here's, here's a thing that, um, that uh, was really interesting, actually. The, the thing we've spoken before, Russ, about the thing about you can... In, in accessibility on on an iOS device, you can switch it to mono. And if, say, you're, you're lying in bed and you're listening to listening to an audio book or something, you can just pop one earbud in and have a listen like that and hear everything and not have people disappearing off side to side. I didn't realise, because I, this speaker in the, in the living room, which works over um, uh, AirPlay... Uh, I only used to use it for, for for listening to any questions or, you know, the the Friday night comedy podcast on radio, you know, that kind of stuff, but it was all speech-based. And I listened to very, very little music on it until, until recently. I didn't realise that that works for airplay as well, if that's on mono. So I'd been listening to my, um, my 
little compact because it's only small. There isn't much stereo spread in there, but you get all of the the um, mono compatibility issues. And I'd been listening to it, and I was thinking, "This why does this sound so weird?" And then I just kind of popped it on, and suddenly the whole thing opened up. And I thought, "I've been listening to music all day in mono, and hadn't noticed until this one mix off my little Zeppelin. That's you know, it's about six inches wide." Oh, the uh, yeah, the B and W thing. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a very yeah. small one. It's it's not it's not the they big cigar. They used to make a monster thing. one, didn't they? Yeah, I, I think that was too big for most people's kitchens. I but, know James uses Sonos for test speakers in his studio, doesn't he? He's got he's done, he does that. Yeah, which is which is which is cool. I, I tried them. But uh, you I could you them. could use AirPlay now on a Mac, a, on, a, on a modern Mac, on a up to date Mac. You can now you could now AirPlay straight to them. Yeah, that's that's why uh, I took the one I bought back straight away because it didn't support that stuff then, and it was like, oh no, I'm not playing through your silly app. But, but yeah, absolutely, it's it's a it's definitely a, a thing that I'm going to investigate because it's not just buying another set of monitors that I'm not going to keep. It's buying something else for a slightly different job that I think could be quite helpful. Anyway, take a look at that article of uh, ours. I'm sure it's it, – well, it isn't exhaustive. So if you've got ideas other than the JBL 305 that everybody seems to be telling us we've missed off, <laughs> Bang it in the then, uh, then tell us <laughs> what we missed and uh, we'll take a look at those things. We'll reach out to the uh, manufacturers and uh, ask them for their feedback. Julian, competitions. This month we've partnered with our friends at Ico Multimedia to offer you three opportunities of winning a copy of Ico Multimedia's Total Studio Max 2 music production bundle worth €1,200. Yes, that's an awesome bundle. I absolutely love this. Sample tank, amplitude, uh, all the T-Rex stuff, a fantastic mastering um, application, standalone application. I did a video on that a little while ago. Yeah, really, really cool. I really like uh, IK Multimedia stuff. It's really low on CPU and all of it sounds really, really good. So yes, get in and enter. Three chances to win. So second talking point, are software subscriptions just another lottery you should avoid? Are you suggesting that that we should avoid lotteries? I think they're dead cert, aren't they? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, it depends. Dr. Johnson called them a tax on the daft, uh, which I love. I think it's a great expression. I've got uh, a stat actually about the UK National Lottery, which is that. Um, well, yeah, the UK National Lottery, I think, are more likely to be hit on the head by a falling pineapple than I am of winning the lottery. <laughs> I know I'm I'm more certain of dying in a plane crash than I'm of winning a lottery. There's... That doesn't mean plane crashes happen more often. It just means the odds <laughs> of winning the lottery. I have I have no moral viewpoint on this. I just have a sanity viewpoint that I've got better ways of wasting money. The longest odds ever offered by William Hill, UK bookmaker, on anything were odds of 13 million to one. It was something to do with like Elvis returning to Earth, riding on a flying saucer on the millennium yeah. with... Uh, da, 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 da. And the odds of winning the UK national lottery are 14 million to one. So, I wonder if you can, I wonder if you can place a bet on winning the lottery. You must be able to. They'll take an odds on it. They'll give you odds on anything, won't they? And they'd have to give you 40 <laughs> Never mind. We're going circular with this now. Back to software subscriptions. So, um, Pro Tools 2018.10. Yeah, this um, is where it a, came from. I think, yeah, there yeah. was a very, I think there was a fair, there was some fair comments being raised. This isn't a hate on Avid. This is not a hate even on Pro Tools. This was some people who feel that over the last year, they really haven't got their money's worth. So let me just clarify that. It's not that Avid have done nothing. It's that the problem is that in, in essence, if you buy something normally, you look at it and you go, 
Do I need that? Does it have the features I need? Are they features I'm going to use? And then you put your money out. But when you buy a subscription, especially software subscription, you're partly putting money on a horse, aren't you? You're saying, will it? Will will they deliver some updates? And at the same time, will there be updates that are worthwhile to me? Those are the two things you have to think about, not just the first one, but the second one too. And for some people who've quite, quite rightly looked at 2018, said, well, really, it really didn't do that for them. So they feel, so in a sense, it's a lottery. Uh, but so it was a question about generally software subscriptions, and uh, I'm sure you, you've read it, so you know the punchlines. I don't have a personal uh, fundamental... Some people are like a zealot about it, and they? I will never use subscriptions to buy software. Well, I don't I don't subscribe to that thinking. I use Adobe Cloud for uh, Photoshop because it costs me eight quid a month. Well, that's not even a coffee, is it? Do you know what I mean? I spend more than that on carpet cleaner. So I, I, don't, I, have don't... A, I don't have a, don't have a fundamental view, problem with subscription-based stuff. But the question is, is it a lottery to some people that they should avoid? Right. I'm going to jump in right now with the subscription thing. And when people get all like, you know, on their high horse about it, just look in your bank account. What, you know, you must be subscribing to all sorts of crap out there that you don't even use. I know I do. Disney Um, Channel. Well, yeah, things for the kids they don't even use half the time. So I think I pay for the expensive Netflix. So it can be watched on more than, I don't know, four devices at once in the house because it happened once where we're all watching and then it just went, nope, can't do this. So you have a kid having a meltdown. Sod it, I'll pay for the extra and never unsubscribe from that. But I pay pay for it anyway, just in case it ever happens. Um, What's it here? I just looked on the Avid website, just to refresh my memory. Um, £20 for one year subscription paid monthly. Okay, so 20 quid. That's Amazon Prime, Netflix and uh, Dropbox at the top of my my memory. That's three services and Pro Tools. If you use it every day, that's a bit of a bargain. No, just saying. I don't watch Netflix or Amazon Prime every day. Certainly don't use Dropbox every day. Um, <laughs> I use Dropbox you know I mean? about 100 times a day. I know you do, but I don't. So this is what I'm saying. If you actually look at subscriptions that you do have and you do pay for blindly... Um, but they're different. Just... Let's to be fair, they're different. I know what I'm they getting with different. Dropbox. I know, but I'm just saying in general, there must be people do subscribe to things that they don't no, use no, enough no, nobody's doubting that. As I say, there's no fundamental flaw with a subscription model and it's out there all the time. But the question is, some people do have to ask themselves whether it's worth making that investment versus right? buying yeah. it, for example. All right, I'm going to throw throw this out there again as well then. I think most of the people that complain about this are people that don't use their applications enough. So let's say... Uh, an enthusiast. Oh, I'm not going to spend £20 on Pro Tools because I'm only ever going to use it on the weekend because I've got a full-time job. Yes, but you've you got Pro write, Tools. You can't write off people by, by no, no, saying no, no. that. No, no, but I, I can... I, I've spoken you, to can't, you can't just say it's enthusiasts when there's, no. there's real professionals saying no, that they haven't no, no, got but stuff. No, I'm just saying there may be a few people out there that don't use their software enough, so they're actually just whinging. Uh, I, think, I think being dismissive like that doesn't help anyone, to be blunt. Well, a couple of people I spoke to last week about this who were on Pro Tools 11 said to me, is it worth me doing this subscription thing? And I said, well, how much do you use it? How much do you use Pro Tools? Not that much. Then stick with what you got. What's the point in paying if you're not going to be using it enough to get the value out of it? 
That's what I'm trying to get across. Sorry if I've offended anyone. That wasn't uh, what I wanted to do. I'm just trying to say... No, I don't think you're offending anyone. I just don't think we should write people off and say that they're enthusiasts because and just say it's only enthusiasts saying no, this kind right. of stuff. So I misworded that because that's not what I meant to say at all. It just meant people that are enthusiasts out there that don't use their software enough. Like, So if I, I was doing, I don't know, a bundle that costs me... I don't know, let's say a thousand pounds a year. I'd have to use that every day a lot for me to even, you know, sign up for that. I wouldn't do it otherwise. Um, if I was, if my kids just stopped using Netflix tomorrow and said, it's not the thing we do, you don't do anymore. I would cancel it immediately because we wouldn't be using it. I'd just be paying for the uh, subscription. You just, yeah, blindly paying for it. I understand You've got what to work out what's that. worth it. You, yeah. Yeah, totally. On. I mean, th- this is, um, People who don't use use their use their software as much as they'd like to because they're time poor. I, I get that. I used to say this a lot about um, about software demos, just because uh, if you've got a time limited demo, say you've got like a fourteen day demo, I, I've I've said for a long time I'd much rather have one that was based on runtime or on how many times you open the 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 software or something like that, so that you you're not against the clock just because. So many times I've downloaded a 14-day demo, opened it once, put it away, other stuff's come up, I've come back to it and it's expired. Absolutely, this is kind of this is kind of the same thing that you're talking about here. If the people if somebody loses out from a time-based proposition for the software, it's the people who who don't have enough time. And but that's not their complaint. Their complaint is not that though, is it? Their complaint is not that they've run out of time using something. Hmm. Their complaint is they don't want. That they don't want to didn't the... deliver what they hoped it would deliver. Mm. I, I take. I take uh, that completely. Um, I mean, something that I've just been doing a little bit of kind of looking around, and I'm thinking that actually, while we're talking about these examples about things like you know Apple Music or Photoshop or you know these other things that we we pay subscriptions for, that's great, and that's kind of how those the, the, that's the landscape of those particular markets. But actually, subscription in Audio software, not um, I mean DAWs here, not plugins, isn't actually the norm as far as I can see. I'm sort of looking around. I'm going, um, uh, Steinberg aren't doing it, Ableton aren't doing it, uh, Personas aren't doing it, Apple certainly aren't doing it. Do you see what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, um, and also, I mean, I think the audio audio software, it's, it, it's, I think it's quite a distinctive group as well. People are get do get quite upset about changes to the way in which things are things are paid for. I mean, I don't I suppose I know it well, so I can't really speak with authority about other parts of the software market, but certainly we've all seen that resistance. Um in terms of the value proposition, of course, if you're paying for 12 months of something and there's there's an understanding and I mean it's pretty much as good as a, a guarantee from from Avid that they're going to deliver either new features or added value on a regular basis through the period of your subscription. If they don't fulfil that, people totally justified to not be happy. A good example in here was the uh, the complete plugins bundle, which came in, I forget exactly which, which month it came in on, but uh, that was a very obvious kind of example of, of um, we're going to offer added value um, instead, of, instead of new features for this point upgrade. 
um, or or to supplement new features. I, I forget exactly which new features came out on that release. I, sh- I should know that stuff. I did the uh, the big piece of work in it with Mike. But it's it's you know it's an either or situation. But if you're not getting either of those, then yeah, people are justified in in being being grumpy about that because if you get more off one 12 month period than you would off another and there isn't a sort of uh similar level of uh of of new then yeah you've lost out compared to you know depending on which period you're on the subscription for which should be in theory should be rolling month on month it shouldn't make any difference or year on year i suppose right then here's the next question apart that came up in the article should people be excluded from getting bug fixes if they're not on a plan. That's tricky. Ooh. That's definitely tricky. That's... Let's I... talk about the okay. moral side of it or the ethical side of it first versus the technological. Because to do it, to change that principle, you have to do an engineering solution as well as a policy change. Uh, and I'm, I'm of the mind that I'm minded, I don't think that bugs should be in, as part, I don't think you should be excluded from bug fixes on software if you haven't got an up-to-date plan. Uh, I just think it's. I just think it feels. It, you see, it's not even a. It, it's not even a moral thing. It's about. It's about what message you send out to your customers, uh, and I think you. It comes across as unnecessarily mean, in my view. Yeah, if you think about it, some some users might have been suffering with a bug for you know, yeah. weeks and months and years. Yeah. yeah, we all have, yeah, with things in the past with Pro Tools. And at the very least, a bug fix will go, okay, at least they made good on that eventually. You know, you can get off your hobby horse and go, yeah, that's fine. If you never, if you're not allowed to up- update a, you know, your system to get the bug fixes, yeah, you, yeah, you'd be pretty pissed off. No, I, I don't think that anybody sat in a meeting and said, let's not give the bug fixes to subscribers. I think what it is is that, to to you'd have to have two different deliverables one for yeah, the to be an engineering are, solution yeah. you'd have to have you'd have to be able to go on the website and download just bug fixes and that would be extra work to create so of course it would yeah so i can well, see then, how it's happened but it is it is a it feels like a computer says no to me it's 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 definitely a, a difficult conclusion that's been reached i i i assume kind of by default and not on purpose then why do they why don't Avid change the way they do this ever so slightly? Instead of putting bug fixes in something like let's say twenty eighteen point ten, they just release a bug fix. Well that's uh, what we just said, isn't it? Yeah, but, I don't know, but yeah, they, just they, release the bug fix bit. Yeah, just don't 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 um over promise and under deliver. Just don't release twenty twenty eighteen point ten for instance and just say it's a bug fix. That's all. It's gotta be better. And then you're putting, and then you're putting um, hours for developers who should be working on delivering value to your paying customers who are actively engaged can financially with you. Expectations compared yeah, to the, the problem with that. Haven't. That's the problem with being a with being a listed company is that basically they can't give they can't leave. Well, I'm not sure about this because I've I've heard people say this before. People say uh, there used to be a line from Avid that said they can't because they're a listed company they can't give anything away for free, but Apple seemed to do it all the time. Uh, so. I don't buy that one. But the fact is that... Sorry, Dan, I was trying to understand what you just said. So what you're saying is that, what, 2010, rather than being a release, would have been a bug fix? Yes. So, yeah, yes, but it's, it's got features in it, hasn't it? That's the problem. If you download it... You got, it's just to sort of help with expectations. If it's a... There's um, an easy way to manage it, and that's with iLocks, is that the people don't realise this, that the way that the way that software is managed in terms of... It's one download, and all it would do... It would be an iLock uh, setting that would say you either get these features or you don't, and then you could still get the bug fix parts. 
That's it's true, still possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how how fine you can go in on the detail with that because it's been kind of you know one distinction up until now, pretty much, hasn't it? No, it's it too hard. Basically, it, the fact is, it's too hard for them to deliver a bug fix solution that doesn't that ex, ex, outside of the rest of the stuff. But I don't think it's I don't think it's good for PR. It's, it's the thing that causes the most pain for Avid in terms of PR. Oh, hold on. Um, things are coming back to me. Uh, wasn't there once upon a time Pro Tools CS updates? Yeah. Yeah. Bring that back. <laughs> yeah, there uh, should be CS updates. Well, these, in yeah. a sense, effectively, this is what these are now. Yeah, but call it that. You know, that's it worked back then. You know exactly what you were getting. Okay, there's a there's a, something here that fixes some of these problems. And in most cases, they did back in the Pro Tools 6 and 7 days. Yeah, so I just remembered that. Uh, and then when you wanted uh, your updates um, and your new features, that's when they'd make a big song and dance about it. My view is I don't think, as I think Julian said, nobody sat in an office one day and said, let's charge people for bug fixes. I think what's happening is this is an engineering problem they don't know an easy way around. To, 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 they, they, it's, it's in, almost, they can't find a way of delivering bug fixes without delivering the rest of the software and prizing those two apart. So you actually just basically have to live with it. The fact that you're either on a service plan or you're, you're either on a, on a plan or you're not. And if you're not on a plan, then you don't get your bug fixes. It must have occurred to someone and they've gone, actually, that the hit in, in bad publicity from people who are unhappy about not having their bug fixed is preferable to the amount of, of time and Additional money engineering. and time it takes to, to fix it, which isn't ideal, but it's it's understandable. And it, it's... It, it it's it's not it's not ideal, but it, I don't see it as kind of like an act, an act of bad faith in any way. It's just kind of like, oh, how do we get out of this? Uh, which no, know. I don't think it is an act of bad faith. I don't mm. think anybody sat there like Mister Mister What's the name from from the Simpsons? You know the bloke that runs the nuclear plant. What's his name? Mister Burns. Mister Burns. I don't think there's a Mister Burns at Avid that goes, oh, let's charge them for bug fixes. That'll make him all use plans. Yeah, I don't think it is that. I think it's. A, I, th- I do think it's a genuine a genuine engineering solution. But at the same time, I think it's something that they should think carefully about uh, because it's, uh, I think it's troublesome for PR. Particularly with the OS issues that we've got at the moment, which um, it's OS, as we discussed on a recent podcast, I forget which which one, a couple of podcasts ago, um, it's not always a choice to upgrade your OS. And if or not upgrade your OS. It goes both ways. I get a bit tired when people go, and, and again, when people go, oh, you should stay on three versions back on Avid because it, you, you, need to, you need to have a rock-solid machine. We get that. We've been preaching that for years. But at the same time, I've got other apps like Final Cut or RX yeah, or other things like yeah. that. Yeah. They're asking me to, up, to use yeah. the latest OS. Yeah. So uh, this, this novel idea that some, that some of us, and we did 10 years ago, some of us had a Pro Tools computer. But yeah. now it's on the whole, not necessary. But at the same time, we're all stuck. Some people, the, 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 the other flip of the coin is some people are stuck with versions where they can't go too far forward because they haven't, because their computer won't run the new OS. Mm. So, Like it, me. Yeah, <laughs> I've got that problem. Yeah. Well, what, what will your new one? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, we'll wait for that. But the, the Mac I'm using at the minute, the 8-core uh, 2010, because of the graphics cards, I can't go up to the latest OS. 
I'd need to change that, take that out and change it for something. Okay. To, yeah, metal, whatever it was. Um, yeah, that's it doesn't. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm stuck until, well, Got we'll you. find out later in the podcast. Got you. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, I, will, I will say this, though. Um, I've got faith in uh, in Avid more now than I did before. And I'd like to think that the response that they're getting from our community and the Pro Tools user base, they are actually paying attention. I'd like to think that now. So they, they can take this forward into the future. Um, whereas if this was Avid of old, let's say three years ago, oh, yeah. people would be really pissed off because we know they just wouldn't give a crap. But now I honestly think they do. So... This is still kind of new ground for them. They're learning from their mistakes and all that sort of stuff. It's just my impression, by the way. Uh, and No, yeah, I think okay. I agree with you. And I said that in the article. I think they should yeah. be commended for the work they've been doing in the last few years to kind of to, to kind of work with us and work with the yeah. community and all that kind of stuff. And this article wasn't taking any anything away from that. And, uh, and sometimes Avid will come to us and say, why did you write that? I thought we were in a good place. Well, even my mates sometimes tell me that I'm doing something wrong or I need to change something. That's... Uh, do you know what I mean? So sometimes we have to say these things. We have to put these into the public forum for that discussion to go on. So, uh, yeah. So I think uh, that's why we brought this up again. Uh, I think it's it's troublesome for Avid. They've, I think they've got – I think some minor tweaks of their policies would make a lot of people happy. I've always said, and I say this again and again, it's the small things that can make the biggest difference. Uh, okay, an easy one they could fix straight away. Let's set aside the bug fix one and the other one that we talked about. The one they can fix, which would be which would make a lot of people happy, is this ridiculous reinstatement cost if you lapse for a few months and they go, well, now you've got to pay three or $400 again to get back on the plan. That's That could be scrapped overnight and that would create goodwill. Uh, I can't imagine they make that much money out of charging people that stupid sum of money. Could it's you imagine, completely could, arbitrary. Yeah. It has no that – is, that is a Mr. Burns decision. Yeah. Could you imagine if Apple Music did that? Because I've well, done it a few times. imagine if anybody else did it. No, but I've done it a few times to experiment with different streaming services over the last few years. So I was on Apple Music for six months and then I come off for six months to go, for, to, go to a different one. And then I went back to Apple Music. But imagine if they said to me, okay, yeah, you can come back, but you've got to spend at least 80 quid to, you know, get your account back. Bog off, I'm not going to do that. So it's not out there really in other uh, subscription models. So why? (laughs) No. No, get rid of it. Yeah, what do you think of that part of it, Julian? Don't you think it's a bit... It's it's completely at odds with the whole ethos behind a, um, a subscription service where it's easy to join, it's easy to leave. Mm. And yeah, you know, you, I I mean, as a as a policy with all of my service providers, um, I don't engage with people who want to tie me into any kind of a contract. And that's a similar thing. I want to stay my ISP. I've been on a monthly contract since day one, just because their whole thing is kind of like, well, we're really good, so you won't want to leave. And it's true. <laughs> and you know, Pro Tools is really good. I don't want to leave, so there's no need to. Contr- Give me, you know, the golden handcuffs. You know, it's like, yeah, Lo- I agree. loyalty. Loyalty would be nice. It's like um, I'm on O2 for my phone, and I've been with them for years. And every few years, they seem to be doing me better deals every time. And that's because I've been with them. And now, if I was darting around all the different tariffs and different um, service providers, I wouldn't get those great offers. So it sort of feels if you do come off of Avid for whatever time frame, you come back. There's no reward for the loyalty you might have had before then as well. And some Pro Tools users have been using Pro Tools 
for years, you know, years well before the subscription model, whatever. You only need to look at their uh, account details. Giving them a break, you know what I mean? That's, uh, yeah. And what about that? What about if they did, what about if they went the other way and said, you know what, if you're a Pro Tools user, every year we, you're with us, you get X, Y, or Z. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You get five, You get another £5 off your monthly payment or yeah, something 10%, like that. Some, anything. Just that would, something. That, loyalty that would, in, that would engender loyalty, wouldn't it? Yep. Far more loyalty. We expect it from other subscription things in general, I find. So, yeah, definitely. So, Dan, there is an Exponential Audio podcast exclusive deal. What is it? Yes. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we have an exclusive special offer for you, our podcast listeners. Uh, In a moment, we're going to read out our very special URL. So get a pen and paper ready. At the moment, Michael is offering Nimbus Stereo Reverb for $139. Amazing reverb. That instead of $100. And $99. But these offers are for a short period, usually around one week. Go to Exponential Audio website homepage, uh, just add a forward slash if there isn't one already there, and type PTE special, all one word, all lowercase, uh, into your browser field. Uh, click on the buy now button and follow the instructions to get the great special offer from Exponential Audio. Note this URL will not be in the podcast notes, so make sure you have made a note of it. Again, it is PTE special, all one word. I've just realised we're pretty running out of time here, aren't we, guys? Uh, We are. are. So let's get some feedback from the community. Julian, do you want to... Preston Smith's been in touch. Hi, James. I heard your comments about the Focusrite Red 8 interface. Uh, I believe the mic gains can be remote controlled. How would the Red 8 work as an on-stage preamp for live concert recording connected to Pro Tools via Dante? We already have a very good and affordable USB D2A and headphone amp from California manufacturer Sheet. <laughs> S-H-I-I-T, brackets, yes, the real company name <laughs> for monitoring. Uh, running a mic snake... That's the sheed. <laughs> running a mic snake is still the most difficult and time-consuming part of a setup for live concert recordings. Cat 5 would be much easier and a lot less weight to bring out on quickie remotes. Thanks, uh, Press. And then he tells a banjo player joke, which we might return to once we've dealt on. with his... Uh, Okay, and for banjo, and for banjo, and for a banjo joke for my friends in Nashville. Words you never hear at a recording session. Hey, is that the banjo player's Porsche in the parking lot? (laughs) 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 Moving swiftly on. James isn't here, but I'm going to I'm going to talk to this about that. Folks, right? Red Eight interface is absolutely ideal for that. It's a great piece of kit. Everything is. Remotely controllable, not via Dante, but there's a piece of, piece of software that comes f- that Focusrite do for control of the uh, of the mic pre's, and everything is remotely controllable via that. So yeah, it's perfect for that. And if you're still pulling around a big, ugly old analog multi core, then um, get get rid of that thing. It's going to break on you and let you down. Get a Cat Six on a reel. And uh, yeah, run that in, and you'll 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 never want to go there again with uh, some hideous, you know, sixty-four pair, fifty meter malt. It's just no, 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 no. So yeah, definitely. Let me just definitely. get me soldering iron out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but don't use line sixteen, twelve, or or eight, because that you know all that stuff. It's like off, oh. and then your patch patch list is all dodging around the dead channels. No, 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 no. Let's get on to some questions from the community. We don't have much time, so we'll try and at least get one in this week. And they're sponsored by our friends at RSPE Audio. 
The Pro Tools Expert Community Feedback is brought to you with the kind support of RSPE Audio Solutions. Great people and great prices. We've started a series of tips from our friends at RSPE Audio Solutions, as unlike some suppliers, they know a thing or two about the products they sell. The first tip is about adding your default inserts from your Yukon Surface. Uh, did you know that you could add your favourite EQ or Dynamics plugin with a single button push on your Yukon Surface? In Pro Tools, choose Setup Preferences, then click the Mixing tab and make sure your Auto Insert Default plugins from Yukon Surfaces is enabled. Then all you need to do is push the EQ or Dynamics on your control surface. If the selected track doesn't currently have an EQ, your default EQ will be added or press Dynamics to add your favourite compressor. Not bad. Nice. Uh, Dan Farandelli. I'm hoping to get advice here. After a handful of years of not having Pro Tools, I've just upgraded to Pro Tools 12. In Pro Tools LE8, I was running F Expansions BFD version 1.0.8.11. I'm wondering how to get BFD loaded and Pro Tools 12 now. I'm on a I, Mac. I know the answer to this. Sadly, it's not AAX. It's Artaz and BFD1. You know, you're going back 12 plus years. So you would have to up grades your bfd to version BFD three version three yeah three yeah. i th- i'm gonna say three it is three yeah it's yeah. three and that is a world of difference between totally bfd three thing, yeah. to bfd one it's you know what i would recommend is look at all the other products you can get drum vis because since bfd one which i think was one of the first great uh drum libraries there are hundreds more brilliant ones out there so look at tune track look at bfd3 look at stuff by native instruments the list goes on um yeah it's probably also though to be fair to the guy uh and to 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 note i think that bfd3 uh will read earlier bfd sessions won't it bfd2 sessions it will so that's the package before which was pretty tonk um bfd2 pretty tonk Tonk, I don't big. have teenagers. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> so I've got teenagers. Pretty big, massive. Uh, right. BFT2 library was big. Um, BFT1 was quite small in comparison. You know what I'd recommend? Actually, a good uh, alternative to BFT1 is Easy Drummer. It's light on CPU, really, really affordable and sounds great. So I would look at that if you were, you know, looking to change your system I'd love to see BFD one again, just because of that little slider between the jazz guy and the robot. Yeah, I love that. That That's was funny. so funny. Yeah. And what was the, what was the one before BFD that they made? I used to have a copy of it in my early version of Pro Tools. They there made was a light another, version. No, there they made a, another drummer that wasn't called BFD. Uh, what was it called? That podcast notes refresh our memory. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Hi. You're listening to the Pro Tools Expert Podcast Find of the Week, proudly sponsored by Synchro Arts. Synchro Arts are proud to announce the release of Revoice Pro 4, the ultimate toolbox for time and pitch adjustment, containing over 70 new features and improvements to Sonic 
output, workflow and performance, Revoice Pro 4 can save you hours of editing time in the studio, ensure high production values and help you achieve your creative vision. Get a free 14-day trial over at SyncroArts.com today and take advantage of the 20% introductory pricing on all new licenses and upgrades. Shall we move on to Find of the Week? We shall. Russ, what's your Find of the Week? Uh, my find of the week uh, is something to do with the studio, but not anything that... Well, it does make a noise, actually. I bought a ring front door camera, basically. It's a battery-powered camera that's on my front door now. When somebody comes to my front door, I get an alert on my iPad or my phone in the studio. I can then look at the camera, can talk to the people at the front door. Uh, and so, like today, a guy came and he just wanted to drop a path but didn't need a signature. I said, just leave it on the doorstep. So now I've basically got... Uh, and I could do it from anywhere in the world. So if I was, oh wow, yeah, it's all it's it just appears on your phone. It's brilliant. It's about 150 quid for the camera. Uh, there's no subscription service or anything like that. Woo woo! Apart from bug fixes, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just genius. It's brilliant. It's called cool. it's the Ring battery front camera, and it's Wi-Fi. It just goes onto your Wi-Fi network, and then it just enables me to uh, to monitor the front of the house. I might get one for the front of the studio as well now. So happy with it. Yeah, so if we were out the other day and it, it, it alerted on our phone and we were able to tell the delivery driver just leave it around the side of the house. And you can brilliant. pretend to be in. Yeah, you could say, I'm sorry, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm uh... Yeah, the other thing, it's got a siren built into it. So if somebody's trying to break into your house, this siren apparently is mega loud. Apparently you're not supposed to test it because your neighbours will think you're getting murdered. So I haven't <laughs> even tried testing it. Oh, oh, I might use the siren then to scare my daughter's boyfriend off. Oh, that'll be good. No, I'm cool. go I think, think you need a shotgun for that, mate. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, my find of the week. Dan, what's yours? The Apple bargain of the year for me. Um, regular visitors of the blog and listeners of the podcast uh, will most likely know that I've been complaining about my Mac Pro, my 8-core uh, 2011 Mac Pro. Uh, yeah, cause I've had it for quite a while and it's getting a bit long in the tooth. So... I've upgraded it by buying an older Mac Pro. <laughs> Bought a twenty, uh, no, sorry, a, you know, 2009 twelve core, sixty four gigs of uh, RAM, four gig uh, graphics cards, some uh, PCIe SSD uh, boot drive uh, memory, lots of stuff in it. Very, very cool machine. All uh, built, refurbished by a company that knows what they're doing for just over a thousand pounds XVAT bargain of the century and if i sold this mac that i'm using now i'll probably get four to five hundred quid for it on ebay uh, i'm not going to do that i'm going to keep it um meaning the difference is about 600 quid that's really good value for money it'll get me over the next few years and the extra cores will be very useful uh, and graphics performance uh for my 4k editing uh so yeah bargain of the week month year probably for me and uh yeah turns up tomorrow and i'll be doing some power tests and an article is in the process as well so yeah very excited julian what's your find of the week uh mine's a youtube channel i've been indulging my inner synth bore and um uh i've discovered automatic gainsay which is mark doty's youtube channel uh he's done a, a very long and very detailed series about polyphony uh, in synthesizers and history and the divide down synths and kind of things like that and absolutely brilliant and other stuff as well like a really in-depth look at a memory moog and stuff like that and it's just yeah brilliant i've been loving it so uh if you like synths and like detail about synths then check out automatic game say right then uh and on that uh little point it's good night from me it's good night from me and it's good night from me good night 